KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. How do I define success? I believe it's not in the wins and losses, even though I hate losses. The success is in your student athletes, preparing them to not only be great student athletes, both on and off the field, but to continue in their lives and go off and be amazing people. Our guest this week, Ginny Martino. She is the head women's lacrosse coach at Division II Westchester University, one of the nation's top coaches running one of the nation's top programs. And Ginny, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. So as we are recording this in mid-September, school underway in the fall at Westchester, uh, what is life like for you right now? What's the focus these days? The chaos has begun. (laughs) Yes, like you said, we are back in full motion, so we are starting our fall practices. It has been a little tough this week, especially with the weather and the heat index. So um, we've, you know, been living moment by moment with the heat and hoping that breaks soon so that we can, you know, continue as normal and kind of get our feet wet and welcome the new players, um, you know, in preparation for having, you know, a couple of tournaments this fall. How long does it take you to kind of completely process and put the previous season to bed? Is it something you do quickly or is it something that takes some time or does it depend on the season? I mean, you guys had a phenomenal 2023 year. It kind of didn't end, obviously, the way you wanted to is you guys made it to the national title game. And then, you know, you had a rough first half and that kind of doomed you in that. But how long does it take you to kind of completely process and catalog a year? Like you said, it's very seasonal. So for last year, doing so well and, you know, losing that final game was definitely heartbreaking. I have not put it away and I don't think the returning players have. And I'm hoping we, you know, turn that into using it as fuel for the fire, as they say, and, you know, helping motivate them over the summer to get ready for this season. And, you know, um, in terms of having that last game have a different outcome. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. When you were growing up, were you all across all the time or were you playing all different sports? Oh, I was so fortunate to be able to play all different sports. I had a brother who started an ice hockey league when I was 12, so I got involved in that. I played Little League Baseball. My claim to fame is I played in a league with Jamie Moyer. We went to the same high school, so that's kind of cool. So again, I I played all sports. I believe I played at least two sports year-round, one through school and one through my community. So very well-rounded, but once I was you know, introduced to lacrosse. I mean, actually my sister came home with this crazy wooden stick in seventh grade and she had joined the team. And I thought, wow, I cannot wait till I'm in seventh grade because that looks like fun. So, uh, you know, I stuck with field hockey and stuck with lacrosse, probably the longest went into college and then, you know, just focused on lacrosse. And I just had a passion for the game. I love the speed, the grace it took to play it. And, you know, when you can no longer play it, what's the next best thing? You know, it was a natural progression just to want to coach it. Do you feel like you were good at lacrosse right away? Yes. I think just my athleticism from all the other sports I played and I kind of had that that IQ 
that is definitely important, you know, getting free, you know, moving the goalkeeper, working on angles, all those things that, you know, make a good attacker. Definitely having played all those other sports, learning a lot from each one that I played definitely helped me out on the lacrosse field. And people have said that I made the game look easy. And that is a big compliment because it is not an easy game to play. So I definitely took to it, I think, quicker than most other sports. But again, I was a little bit older. I didn't play until I was in seventh grade. So yeah, I mean, I I definitely fell in love with the speed, everything about the game right from the jump. You mentioned how all those other sports helped you. Was there one that you think the skill set from that sport translated the most to lacrosse for you? Was there one of the other sports that you played that you feel really helped accelerate your development in lacrosse the most? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I believe probably ice hockey and field hockey, as far as scoring goals, being able to figure out how, how, how to move the goalie, how to get her off angle, you know, how to shoot where she's not expecting it. So I do believe as far as like scoring and things like that, I I definitely got that from my hockey background. Basketball definitely helped with, you know, defensive footwork and, you know, things like that. So, you know, really, it's a great question. And you think about it. And I think I really took a piece from every sport I played soccer. Same thing, you know, scoring goals, how to get the you know, the goalie to, you know, focus on you and then you and then you pass across the cage to your open teammate. You know, I think all of those definitely was the building blocks to me finding a home with lacrosse. You played at UMass in college. When did you become cognizant of the idea that playing a college sport was a legitimate possibility for you? It's something I think just about every kid dreams of when they're playing in the backyard and playing in leagues and stuff. But was there a a moment when it kind of crystallized that this was going to be a, a path you could travel? Yeah, I mean, I think I always wanted to continue playing. And when you're done high school, if you don't go to college and continue playing, back when I played, there were no pro leagues. There were no club teams for adults to play in. So really was the driving force for me going to college. You know, I I definitely, you know, enjoyed the athleticism of it and, and wanting to continue playing lacrosse because I really, I just enjoyed it so much that definitely wanted to, you know, play with the best of the best and you get an opportunity to do that in college. I mean, my high school team at Souderton, you know, we won the Bucksmont Championship so many years and that was great. And I had great teammates and they were so supportive, but, you know, then going on and to be able to play with girls from really across the country, you know, that was exciting to me and getting to see, you know, was I good? How good are other kids out there? So that was, um, you know, that was something that I looked forward to. And I think my junior year in college, my high school coach, Deb Ashbaugh, she was very supportive of telling me to try out for camps, try out for scholarships and things like that, and telling me that I could play at that next level. How was the transition when you first start playing college? Like, was it kind of, I don't want to say overwhelming, but was it okay? It's faster everybody is really good or did you feel pretty comfortable that it was relatively seamless yeah it was a step up but it wasn't overwhelming at first definitely the speed of the game yep that was a shock and again I walked into a team that had won a national championship so they were the best of the best I was very fortunate call it timing call it luck but I did earn a starting spot my freshman year Um, just because they needed a scorer. They needed an attacker. And again, it was, I think, just more luck than than my ability. But, you know, I definitely worked hard to earn that spot each and every day. But 
you know, it took a bit. It was, you know, it was definitely a jump from high school to college and the expectations and then having to juggle again that that class load and and all of that free time, but not free time. Um, <laughs> so division one, you eat, sleep and breathe your sport and then you have to find time to study on your own and things and and it was definitely an adjustment, but, you know, it didn't take too long. By spring, I, I was in the groove. What are some of your favorite memories from your time at UMass? Oh, gosh, just the players I surrounded myself with. I mean, just my teammates were the best. I had All-Americans playing in front of me, and they were definitely supportive. Um, just, you know, bus rides, just the normal college things, you know, just having a good time, you know, bonding with the team and traveling to games, playing teams like Yale and Harvard and Penn State. And looking back, that is quite an awesome experience that I had. What are you most proud of from your college lacrosse days as a as a player? Oh, gosh, I think my resilience, you know, you play that many games and and you play year round. So it's no longer just a spring sport. You know, you're out there conditioning and doing all that in the fall season in preparation. Uh, I remember, you know, walking to the gym at 530 in the morning through a foot of snow to get to practice thinking, what am I doing in Massachusetts? But it, you know, your love of the game and your passion for it, you know, that that's something that, you know, you need, you need to do. And, you know, I just think just the overall experience was wonderful. Do you ever look back, you talk about joining a national championship team, getting a starting spot as a freshman, a position where you needed to score. Do you ever look back now with kind of the wisdom of years and kind of appreciate how remarkable what you did was? Um, Yes and no. I mean, it would be nice to take that time and think back to those days. But really, when you're in the midst of focusing on your own 32 players each and every moment of the day, you I don't really have time for that. But Actually, with this, you know, Hall of Fame, it has given me that time to reflect. That's been an, an incredible journey just to, you know, have that time to reflect on my past and all of those people that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to surround myself with. And again, the support of people from my high school days and my UMass days. But yes, I mean, now seeing my players and what they're having to juggle day in and day out, I am surprised I survived, honestly. <laughs> You know, it, it is a lot, but I know times have changed. But yes, I, I, I guess, you know, in my freshman year, I didn't really think about the pressure. I just knew I wanted to play. I knew I wanted to be on the field. And that's what I had to do to be there. You know, I had to focus and I had to try my hardest and I had to keep winning that spot daily. So I think when you stop and think about it, it, it kind of takes away the spontaneity of it. You just go out and play. Did you always figure during your years as a competitor, you would eventually coach? No. Absolutely not. I don't know what I wanted to do, but I really thought I would have more of an administrative role coaching. Even though I, I coached, you know, local sports camps when I was in high school and summers during college, I never really thought about it. I sort of fell into this. I had uh, Sarah Harris, um, who went to Southerston High School with me. I coached at her mom's camps, field hockey, lacrosse during the summers. And and uh, she was an alumni here at Westchester. And she was, you know, I think she was in her senior year. And she gave me a call and she said, what are you doing in life? And I said, 
well, I'm pretty bored. And she said, why don't you come and be our assistant? We need one. And I think you'd be great. So I think I got in the car that day and came out and interviewed with Kathy Grant Cranabitter and she hired me and I've been fortunate enough to be here for, you know, 28 years now. So it was more good timing and, you know, the connections that I made in high school and knowing Sarah, but I don't know. I, I, now looking back on it, I'm like, why didn't I ever really consider a career in coaching? Because it is, is just so much fun. It's just such a joy. And yeah, it's a roller coaster every day. But, you know, the highs of the highs are incredible. Yeah. Why did you why was an administration track something? Was that something from going to school that you thought would fit no. you? Or what, what was it that, you know, had maybe that administration in your mind and not the coaching? Well, I think it was um, the path I was on in my in my UMass career. You know, I took sports administration or sorry, sport management. And, you know, I just thought kind of administration or, you know, management of some sort would be my role. And I was never really exposed to, hey, you could, you know, make a living being a coach. You know, I just kind of thought it was either a part time gig or, you know, a high school. But you need you needed to, you know, teach on the side you know, that had been my experience growing up. So I guess it was just naive, never really thinking about, wow, I could actually make a living out of this. Now you played for, after college, you played for Team USA for a time, correct? Well, I I played on a USA team that traveled. There really was not a Team USA okay. within the time period that I had there. So we were representing the United States, went over to Czechoslovakia, had a, a you know a great time over there playing some international competition. But in terms of how they categorize the USA team now, I no, I was not on that. Okay, well, how was but how was that experience going overseas? Just to, oh, not just from a lacrosse yeah. standpoint, from a life standpoint. Oh my gosh, open my eyes, I will tell you. Um, I mean, I, I went from small Montgomery County in high school to UMass up in Massachusetts and then back home again and never really had that worldly experience, even though, you know, I traveled as a kid. So I will tell you, they were still communists when we went over to Czechoslovakia and, you know, going over there and just, you know, being on the subway with children and not one of them smiling, not one of them seeing, you know, seeming like they enjoy their childhood or even, you know, oh, it was it was heartbreaking, definitely opened my eyes. And, you know, so I went home with a with a new sense of, wow, the freedom here and and, uh, you know, being able to live where I live and experience the things I can experience is just, you know, I was I was very thankful. When your playing days are done and you start focusing on coaching was stopping playing were you good with it or did you still have the itch? Oh, I struggled. And it's probably because of the perspective. You know, when you are playing, you are in it. You are seeing the field from a completely different perspective. And to be able to coach kids, you know, what they need to do in certain situations, you need to be in there with them and seeing it from their perspective. And I just thought standing on the sideline and looking at it from an observant standpoint was very difficult for me. And it, it did take a while. And I was, again, very thankful for Kathy Cranabitter, who allowed me as her assistant for two years to be in the middle of practices. I would jump in and I would kind of help coach from that perspective. 
And I slowly started working my way to the sideline. And I definitely kept that up when I took over the reins two years later. I I would definitely jump in. I jump in in, you know, still to this day, shooting drills and things like that, just to see it from their perspective. You know, you kind of want to be on the same level and that's where your communication is best. So, you know, to be able to talk to them about, you know, certain situations being in it instead of being on the sideline or where the stands are, it skews it a little bit. So it took a while. It took a while. But then I could not keep up with them. (laughs) And I had to, you know, be forced to stand on the sideline and do my coaching from there. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult. Going along with that, when you go from high-level competitor, there are a couple things. How difficult was it when you start coaching to kind of seed control that there's only so much you can do, the kids have to do it? And you can drill, you can talk to them, you can put it up on a board, but they have to do it. And I know a lot of times when people compete at a high level, they struggle seeding that control. And kind of along with that, when you played at a high level, was it difficult when a kid couldn't do something, kind of having the the empathy to understand that they maybe aren't at the level that you were at? Because maybe there are things that you just took for granted that you do that a kid couldn't do. And it doesn't mean the kid's not good. It just is a different skill set. Did you have any challenges with those things when you started coaching? Definitely. And I struggle with that even today. You know, you mentioned the national championship game last year, standing on the sideline and being completely helpless is the most frustrating feeling that you could ever imagine. I had three timeouts and that was it. So, you know, I really had lost control. And they say, you know, your fate is up to 18-year-olds when that whistle blows. And (laughs) it's terrifying. That's what I loved about being a player. You know, definitely having that control to control the outcome of the game, control, you know, your destiny. And as a coach, you you can, you know, coach them and prep them and, you know, just basically have them as prepared as you can possibly think. And then, you know, when that whistle blows and that ball goes up, you know, you just hope that they follow the game plan. So it's frustrating. And I struggle with that today. I think every coach struggles with that, no matter what the level is. Definitely have empathy for those kids that don't, like you said, have that particular skill set. Things that came easy to me, I even now see in my players, you know, like, well, why don't you see the space around the goalie or why can't you see that net behind her? And so, you know, but over the years, I've I've definitely learned from so many players that everybody has a different eye. Let's take, for example, scoring goals, like some see the goalie when they're approaching nets, some see the actual net behind the goalie. And it's okay to have different perspectives. And I think I had to learn that. It definitely took a little bit, but I think you know, now coaching players with different skill sets, um, they all have the talent to score. It's just a matter of, you know, maybe refocusing their vision and things like that. So, you know, I think over the years and me playing myself personally, I think is 
has definitely helped me with my background there and being able to kind of see things from both perspectives and coach them in that way. So you mentioned an assistant in Westchester, you take over the program for the 1998 season. When you take over as head coach, did you feel ready? No, I don't think you ever feel ready. I think it's like having kids, like they just hand you this child and you're like, I am not ready. Where's the rule book on this? Like, where's my, you know? um, Yeah. So I don't feel ready even today, like prepping for this season. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I, you know, what am I, you know, not prepping for or not doing, or what are we spending a lot of time on where we shouldn't? So I think, you know, each and every season is different in the sense that, you know, you have a whole new personnel on your team and you have to adjust how you prep for that season. Um, So I think it's, it's ever changing like everything in this world, but yeah, it, it certainly is, you know, it's a process. (laughs) When you go from assistant to head coach within the same program, was there an adjustment just because of the dynamic and the dynamic of a kid to the assistant coach is different a lot of times than the kid to the head coach. And when you switch those roles, sometimes it can get awkward or different or need an adjustment. Was there a a period of adjustment there when as just as far as a relationship with the kids when you took over? Yeah, that's a great question. I think just because I was here and Kathy, again, did a great job of allowing me to be super involved as an assistant you know, at the end of any drill, coach anything, you know, when I would put in my two cents. So I think um, they were used to hearing from me. I wasn't, you know, quiet. I did, you know, throw my two cents in there and let them know, you know, what I thought about, you know, what they were doing. So I think they were used to that. But it it was difficult because I was so young. I was, you know, only a couple of years older than them. I think those first couple of years, you do worry about being authoritative and them not listening. And but you know, our players were great. They embraced it. You know, they were, they were happy for me and they, they did a great job. I mean, those first couple of years we were, you know, boy, we were thrown into a division one national tournament and that had never happened in Westchester before. So I think we were all learning at the same time. And that learning curve was huge going into that national championship tournament with all of the division one teams and having our goalie who had played all year for us tear her ACL right before, you know, the game, it, it, it was definitely trying, but it wasn't so much, you know, um, having the authority. I think it was just times are trying and it's sports and anything can happen. We need to take a break. We will have more with Westchester University head women's lacrosse coach Ginny Martino right after this. This is one on one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Ginny Martino, head women's lacrosse coach at Division II Westchester University. When you take over the program, did you know what you didn't know? And what I mean by that is there's just <laughs> there's just so many things that aside from the game is almost, in a lot of cases, I think the easy part, like administrative, paperwork-wise, eligibility rules, stuff like that. Did that ever get overwhelming that first year or two, kind of getting your arms around that? Or did those years in assistant, did you feel you had a good a good idea of what you were what was under your purview? Yeah, that's funny. I think if you know everything that coaching entails, I don't know if a lot of people would do it. It was kind of good that things were sort of thrown at me that I wasn't prepared for. It's funny. I have an alumni now, Dina Cefeli, who has now taken over the program at Seton Hill. And, you know, it's funny just 
trying to mentor her and just encouraging her and letting her know that she is ready, even though she feels like she's not. You know, I said I was in the same situation and I survived, but it's just something you have to, you know, um, experience and survive. It is a lot more paperwork and now so even more than when I started and learning all the NCAA policies and rules and things like that. It's it's a big piece of it. You know, it's funny. The girls think that I just, you know, roll in for practice every day <laughs> and there's just so much more that goes into it than that. So um, that is the tough part and just trying to navigate all of that. Um, but again, it, it's great. You don't know what you don't know. And that's kind of what makes it fun. Kind of explain, you mentioned the Division One tournament those first couple of years. Kind of give us the timeline of when Westchester was playing in the Division One and when Division Two for, for lacrosse. I would actually have to look up when our very first Division Two national championship happened. I think it was two, 2000. So the first two years, yes, they had allowed, they had opened it up and it was just a national championship. Um, so it wasn't a one, two or three situation. And, um, you know, we were the top team in Division Two, and and those two years back to back, we had an opportunity to go and play um, in the national tournament. I think I do believe the first year we played, we played Loyola and mm-hmm. I think they were maybe the number one seed. So, yeah, good luck, Westchester. And again, with, you know, having a goalie start that game and play the full 60 with not having much experience to play throughout that season because she was our backup, you know, but boy, we fought that game. And I I would say that was probably one of my proudest moments hanging with Loyola and, um, you know, just having that opportunity for the girls to play against that level and to see really how good they were to get there and have that opportunity. So, um, you know, it was a great two years, definitely humbling, but, you know, it it definitely aligned us to be ready to have our own national championship. Which you would win in 2002. Yes. If you and I talk this time of year in September 2001, are you not necessarily confident, but do you look at your group and expectations and schedule and go, you know what? stay healthy, X, Y, and Z happens, we're going to be a really difficult out. Or was that a team, was that a year that came together as it went along? Um, I would like to say I'm, I am really positive about almost every year heading into the season. You know, you think if you can outlast other teams just by, like you said, being healthy and, you know, having the team kind of come together, it's the uncoachables, it's the, you know, the kids not getting along or, having things happen like injuries that that kind of sidetrack you. But, you know, definitely going into that season, I thought we had a great chance. I thought 2000, we had a great chance. I thought 2001, we had a great chance. So things happen, but boy, the girls, they just, they're so determined. Their work ethic is unbelievable. You know, they pretty much drive the bus and I'm just there to kind of help them navigate. Um, and it's it's been that way. We've just been so fortunate that the players, you know, that come on board, just their drive and their determination to be excellent is is, you know, the driving force behind them. And, you know, like I say, every year we kind of go in with that hope. I think you have to. So what is winning that national championship like? Like how crystal clear are the memories of that day leading up to, I think it was Stonehill you guys beat for that title. Like, do you remember it or is it a complete blur? I remember bits and pieces, but just the feeling is, it's just something that you can't even put into words. 
it takes a while. It's like a dream for a while. And, and it finally hits home and you're like, wow, I mean, we really did that. You know, it's special every time it happens. I mean, unfortunately, it's only only been twice for as many times as we've been to that game. But, you know, it's it's a special group that can complete that last piece. You know, it's you know, it's the leadership. It's having the X factor in those kids that you can't really put your finger on, but they find a way to get it done against teams that you think on paper are much better than you. And you think you don't have a chance. I mean, I, in 2008, going against CW Post to win that national championship, we had one senior in Steph Kinley. I mean, she is our all everything player, but you think that leadership, like you need more than one kid that has that we have to win it. This is my last year kind of attitude. And for them to, in my mind, to sort of be underdogs to CW Post, that, like I said, on paper, they had from top to bottom a really good team. And we, you know, had struggled in years before and years after against them. But that team just found a way to get it done. And, you know, those memories, those are hardcore. They stick with you. And again, it's if I could figure out what made that team that special, boy, I'd <laughs> I'd have a lot more rings. So again, it's it's sports, so you never know what's going to happen. But those teams were definitely special. Yeah, how did those championships? How do they compare? Because there's nothing like the first one, but that second one in '08, I think you guys had gone to the finals four straight years and lost, including CW Post the year before, like. That had to be an overwhelming sense of the release of that frustration. How do they? How do those two experiences compare? I agree with you that there's nothing like the first one, but when you win it again, the feeling is like you've won it for the first time. Like you said, the frustration in myself was at an all-time high because, like you said, being there four straight years. And walking away empty-handed from that game, putting the pressure on myself, thinking, what what am I not doing to get the job done? Just that one last 60 minutes, you know, what am I missing? And I was really beating myself up, um, you know, and for that to be the fifth straight year going to that game. And like I said, playing a team like CW Post, I was like, oh, not again, <laughs> You know, so I think the pressure was on myself more, you know, just because of the fact that I could not lead my team to get the job done the four previous years. The funny story is my parents are, you know, such fans and they come to everything and they did not make it to the 2002 national championship game weekend, actually, which was held at Westchester. They were away and we won it all. And then they kept coming, obviously, every year thereafter. And they told me after the game in 2008, they said, if you didn't win this time, we thought it was us. We were not going to come next year, no matter where you played. And, uh, you know, so I said, well, I was starting to think it was me as well. So, <laughs> um, you know, you just... You have those thoughts that creep into your mind and and you just, you know, you want it so badly for each group, each group of kids that come in and they just work as hard as the group before and you just want it so badly for them. And when we fall short, you know, you you take it personally. But again, getting back to your question, those two, you know, I'll never forget them. You've had so much success 
past those national championships. You know, we talk about all these appearances in the finals. You were in the finals this past year. I'm curious, how do you define success and has your definition of success changed over your coaching career? Wow, another great question. How do I define success? I believe it, it's not in the wins and losses, even though I hate losses probably more than I like winning. The success is in your student athletes and preparing them to not only be great student athletes, both on and off the field, but to continue in their lives and go off and and, and be amazing people. I mean, you know, having the alumni that I have and seeing how successful they are now in their life and having the opportunity just to have a small piece of that, um, you know, be around them for four years, some of them five, like just being humbled by the blessing of being able to call myself their coach. So I, I, I think that's success. The kids are going off and and rule in the world. And, and that's what we need. What is your favorite part of what you do? Same, the kids. Absolutely. You know, being around these guys and, and seeing them through their college career, coming in all wide eyed and, you know, not speaking in huddles or whatnot. And then by the time they're a senior, you know, just kind of taking over and, you know, showing that leadership you know, and just wanting to be the best of the best in everything they do. I mean, they are just incredible students, first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, what they're able to pull off in the lacrosse field and to be able to vie for a national championship in the middle of their finals, you know, like that takes a lot of balance and that takes a lot of skills. And they have that. They have that piece where, you know, they want to be successful and that's the driving force for them. I love the student athletes and I keep coming back for them. You have had so much success and I'm curious, there have to be games on the schedule where you know, the kids know you're just better than the other team. And you obviously give the team respect, but there are certain days where you're just that much better. How do you keep the kids on point and not let them take things for granted? Because I, I think I saw something like the last few years, you're like 90 and eight. How do you keep them at that high level, even on some of those days when you're playing teams that you're just that much better than? That's tough. I mean, it it is tough. It is tough to go into a season where you may be like, ranked, you know, preseason number one or two and having that target on your back. I think that's, you know, along the same lines of keeping them focused each and every game. But again, reminding them of that, hey, every team wants to knock you off and that's not going to change. So, you know, we need to have the same mentality going to going into each and every game, no matter, you know, what the stakes are. But, you know, I do remind them each game starts at zero, zero. We are not any better than them. We have to play it. We have to show it. You know, we have to uh, play for each other and not so much the scoreboard, but, you know, hold our standards to the same level. Do you prefer at this point in your career, the game or practice? Honestly, I, I like both. I do like, you know, having practice, having, you know, time to individually work on their skill sets and seeing them make those connections with each other on the field and just seeing the joy of seeing them go out there and scrimmage just for the fun of it. 
I mean, that all brings me a lot of joy, but yet I do like the adrenaline of seeing how we compare with other teams that are out there. You know, that is the fun part of it. And even having games where we win and pulling the kids aside afterwards and saying, you know, that was not our best showing. We do need to clean things up, you know, because there are going to be some teams down the road that aren't going to let you off this easy. So um, it's a combination. I, I do like the change in pace of both the practices and the games. Has that been the consistent through your coaching career or has it ebbed and flowed depending upon the situation? Um, Pretty consistent, but I think there have been years where I've definitely been way more nervous for games. So I think practices were more fun for me, looser. You know, I could relax a little bit and definitely games are, like I said at the beginning, a lot more stressful because it is in their hands and you do hope that they have retained that knowledge overnight of the scouting report you gave them on the other team or whatnot. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a combination, but I think I'm, I'm beginning to embrace both sides of it, the games and the practices a lot more. Your career record at Westchester, I think you've won more than 82% or around 82% of your games. You probably wouldn't, aren't going to be comfortable with this question, but why are you good? A lot of people have success, but this is success at a level that you can probably count on one hand people have had. What do you think it is that allows you to have success at this rarefied and air level? Well, I don't think it's me. Like I said, I it's my student athletes. If they were not motivated and driven and just determined to be the best of the best, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have that record. You know, it's it's their work ethic. And I'm just blessed to have been a part of it. I mean, I I think drawing up X's and O's only gets you so far, but you know, it's the athletes that have to then take that ownership and run with it. They play the games. If they didn't play, I wouldn't get a win. So, I mean, it's 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 not really on my plate. It's, you know, it's all due to how great they've been. So, I don't know if that answers the question. And again, it's it's interesting because, you know, every four years or every year you're rolling in new players who, you know, have to buy into that philosophy and have to take that ownership. So I think it's the leadership that we've cultivated and and they take the young kids under their wing each season and they they start to teach them what it's like to be a student athlete at Westchester and what our expectations are and and our goals. And we don't always set out at the beginning of every season saying, hey, we need to win a national championship. We're like, okay, what's attainable? Okay, we we need to do well in conference first. And then we need to look to win conference. So it's attainable goals. And like I said, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here. If it weren't for great assistance, I mean, let's talk about Sue Burmester for a while. Like, She's been by my side here as my assistant for 20 years, and we wouldn't be where we are or who we are without her. So, you know, I've been fortunate to surround myself with those great people who make me look good every day. Do you still, when you are at this level and, you know, national championships are in play, do you still enjoy the wins overall as much? And what I mean by that is, like, do you still get the jolt out of a, Regular season win, the third game of the season against a team that you probably should beat just about every time, going back to that part of the conversation we had earlier. Like, do they still have the juice because you're just always pushing for the, you're at such a high level where 
the end of the season, those games are so important. Do the, do you still get the same satisfaction out of like those regular season games? Definitely, but not to the same level, but definitely because they are the building blocks to your foundation. If you don't take care or take each step, you know, if you miss a step, you are not getting to your end goal. You're not getting to the end of the year. Last year, we, we did a little ticker tape across the top of our locker room and, you know, each game was a bus stop along the the route to U Indy, where the national championship was being held. And each game, you know, we realized we couldn't miss that next bus stop, which which equated to a game. We couldn't not win that game because it wouldn't get us to where we needed to be. So the, the kids just had a blast with this. And at the beginning of each new game, you know, somebody would hop up on a table and move our little academy bus to the next bus stop because we won that last game. So for them to be able to visualize it and understand that each game is important, not just the big ones, because you don't get to the big ones without taking care of, you know, the 17 that get you there. So, um, you know, I think they're all building blocks in that foundation to being successful. And you can learn something from every game, win, lose or draw. You know, you win games you can still learn things from it. So the jolt is there and the excitement and just the pure happiness of, okay, we won that game is definitely there. I mean, not to the level of high stake games towards the end of the year, but every team that we face has the ability to knock us off. You know, it's any given Sunday, right? I mean, you never know. And the recruiting has gotten tougher and teams in our our conference have gotten better. So, you know, I don't think we can take anything for granted. And that's something that, you know, Sue and I try to impress upon our kids every year. You you can't take anything for granted. You have to show up each and every day. Ginny Martino, this was so much fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And that wraps up another episode. Many thanks to Ginny Martino, head women's lacrosse coach at Westchester University for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would really help us out if you left a rating and a review. You can follow the show on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me there as well, at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.